With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We now present Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts on the Ride with Royce. Some calling to be done on this weekend because uh, sports action, as always, here in the Twin Cities and all about it is uh, the news is flying. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got Guardian Town. We got Fenton coming to town. Uh, we got all kinds of stuff going on, but. What are your four deep thoughts, Manny Hill? Uh, well, let's go with, uh, let's start with number one here. 227 days after their first regular season game in franchise history, the Vegas Golden Knights are headed to the Stanley Cup Final. How about this, man? This is... Uh, Don't call it a miracle. Unless you're well, not it's not a miracle. Out. It's not a miracle. I mean, it's 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 really weird. I mean, I, I thought Winnipeg would... Mm. I thought Winnipeg would win the series mm-hmm. and go to the go to the finals, but I did not expect Vegas to dispatch know, of them in five games. You know what? I watched game one, and Winnipeg beat them 4-2 to two and really shut them down in the third period. But in the second period of that game, Las Vegas could see how much faster was a lot better than they were. And I, kept, I saw that, and I said, they can't keep up with them. And boy, once they got them on a the run, they never uh, mm-hmm. stopped. Now they, the goalie Flurry, uh, I think won game three for him, right? Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, game three or four, one of those he won for him. But uh, they're good. They're good. They're really good. And uh, here's long term. This is good for five years. Okay, this is, this gets them through the first five years. It's great, right? Mm-hmm. What if they go in the tank after five? When you win immediately. What if five years from now they stink? It's and still a success, don't you think? I think it is. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, is it? I've always felt that immediate success is you pay a price for that. Mm-hmm. You pay a price for that if you spoil people. I think Colorado. Oh, played, I see what you know you're what saying. saying. Okay. You, you by by giving them too much too soon. We had a little of that here with the Twins, because uh, the first decade. They we led the American League. Uh, the Twins led the American League in attendance, so uh, average of one point four million. It was a lot less then, and we're in the race basically seven times in ten years. Mm. And you know, sixty one they weren't good, but sixty two they contended, sixty three they contended, sixty five they went the World Series, and they and once they got bad, it just went whoosh. But mm. you know, I think with the league that. The the way that the league is is currently in the minds of a lot of sports fans, I think this is nothing but great for hockey. 
You know, and, and will have a carryover effect. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see if because it's Vegas and people are interested in the city, if the ratings are better. I, I don't have any idea. But, but the question is, can they sustain this? And if they don't sustain this, yes, then what? If happens? they go in the tank, and well, I mean, yeah. even if they don't, even if like they say that they're like the Wild, they're a marginal playoff team and losing the first round. I think that there will be a bit of a drop off just because it's the new fun shiny a toy. Year, a few years from now, but yeah. they, they'll be great for five years. But here's what the NHL has got going for everybody's the same. You know, there are no, you know, there's no dominant. There's team. no. There's no team going 56 and 106 like in baseball. There's no 59 and 103 like the Twins had two years ago. That's, you know, if you're. There's no Sacramento Kings or Phoenix Suns. For want of a uh, better term, if you're half ass, you can still be in contention, right? (laughs) Yes. And if you're not in in baseball, if you're that way, you're, you're done by Memorial Day. You know, right? So, anyway. but I, I think if they if they keep this core together and win a cup or two oh, yeah. over the next five years, then I think they'll they'll buy themselves some time. But it is astounding when you see him play. I know Hollow. We knew what we had, but when you see this Alex Tuck play, mm-hmm. you wonder what the hell they were thinking of. Why was he in the minor leagues? Well, no. Why was he? Why? Did why they was he exposed? Yeah. Why did they let him go? Why did they let him go? Because they basically said, take him so you don't take Brodine or or, uh, Dumba. Why didn't they let Brodine go? Never has anyone gone to a hockey game here in five years and said, boy, that Brodine was something tonight, wasn't he? (laughs) I mean, okay, I agree he's a good defensive player, but you you never go to a game and say, wow. You still have Spurgeon, you still have... Suter and yeah. Dumba and yeah. Number two. Number two. Curry for three. Yes! Curry trying to work behind screens. Picked up here by Hard. He shoots over. Oh, he wants this shot right here. Oh, he makes a move and scores! Curry with a duck under three. Here's Curry for three. Yes! He is unconscious! Yes, he was, especially in that third quarter when he didn't miss a single shot. He's uh, pretty good, and the Warriors are back in control of this thing. 41. That's uh, the trouble with the NBA playoffs right now is some of the series are okay, but the individual games are all All If you, especially with this in today's game where everybody's shooting threes, if you have an off night shooting threes, you're going to get blown out. Well, look at LeBron. They, they They got... Completely outclassed the first two, and, then and they, they beat him by thirty. They had him beat from the first five yeah. minutes of that. Yeah, but I've said this before: one of the most astounding turnarounds in sports in the last decade is the evolve the evolvement of uh, shooters in the mm-hmm. NBA. Ten years ago, we were worried about nobody shoots anymore. It's all driving to the basket. There aren't developing any shooters. And- These guys from 26 and 7 feet that's unheard of. Yeah. And they're accurate. They're making you got guys shots. like Brooke Lopez shooting threes now at a decent clip. Astounding how well these guys shoot now. It's just incredible. By the way, after the game, the uh Charles and Kenny and EJ and Shaq and the boys, they <laughs> had uh they Kevin Durant joined them in the uh post game and oh. uh 
Chuck asked this question to KD. Is Draymond Green as annoying in person as he is is on on television? (laughs) You should go talk to him downstairs. What annoys you about a Draymond? He's going to apologize to him. He's downstairs. You can go ask him. Ask him, man. You might run down, but you're going to walk back, Cletus. (laughs) (laughs) Walk down there. You can talk like you. It's 1988, brother. It's not, man. You ain't the same Charles Barkley, man. Nobody's scared of you. Leave them people alone, Chuck. Oh my oh, God, that's fantastic! So you might run down, but you're walking back, Cletus. Yeah, that, that wasn't a, a deep thought, but that was that was oh, too good last night oh, to God. not uh, to not go mention. So, all right, thought number three. Gray stumbling into the pin, hits another possible game winner. But was there time left on the shot clock? The shorthanded LA Sparks have come into this building to upset the Minnesota Lynx on the day they got their championship rings. What fuel does that add to this rivalry fire? As if uh, there really needed to be any more fuel added, but uh, yeah, there was a little bit more added to that game yesterday. Uh, coach Reeve was disgusted enough with her team to be a hockey coach. She sounded like... Uh, she sounded like Bruce? Like, she sounded, no, Bruce is never that bad. She sounded like Mike Keenan after his Wow, I did, okay, oh. I missed you it. See him? She just lit him up. She was very upset with that performance. They turned it over 24 times. Ooh, yeah. Well, that again, that'll get you beat. Yeah, but, but that was an odd-looking winner. Well, I mean, she kind of went Chelsea in there. Chelsea Gray, she yeah. She didn't get there uh, clean. She was the one who got them in, uh, I think it was game one of the finals last year. Mm-hmm. She was the one who hit the game What did we shot, have for so. a crowd? I didn't see the box score. I think it was good. Was yeah, it a good crowd? I think it was okay, good. I think 12, they opened up. up they opened up upstairs. Good, know, so. good. Yeah, so good game. Exciting. Good wasn't way to start a sellout off the like the. Uh, not sure it was a sellout like United had because they announced a sellout of twenty three thousand in a stadium that holds fifty, which oh. is interesting. But anyway, all right. Thought number four. I'm back to a point, you know, in my life where you know I'm not taking anything for granted. I'm happy with every little single thing that's going on sitting at this table wearing this shirt being a part of this organization with a lot of history all i want to do is come in and help contribute to help this team win in whatever capacity that is that's all i really care about johnny manzel is signed into the cfl with the hamilton tiger cats who are coached by june jones they're going to be throwing the ball oh my god yeah so that's a good spot for him to go let's get kaepernick up there and we could have a hell of a rival yeah i suppose kaepernick can't go up there while he's still suing the nfl because maybe that would affect his lawsuit do you guys think he'll be back in the nfl manzel Manzel. i'm talking about not kaepernick i don't somebody if he plays okay up there somebody will have that's what i'm wondering but it seems to me like he could go up there and just Thrive and just mm-hmm. dominate. Doug that Flutie league, stuff. You know? No, Flutie yeah. was up there for years and then came back. So he was I got a prediction. How about there. Johnny goes up there, dominates, and he comes back with the Las Vegas Raiders oh, as a backup? Be <laughs> We're all moving to Vegas <laughs> to good, cover the Raiders. This would be a good test of his commitment to a sober and uh, right righteous yes, life. Absolutely. It? All right, we'll be back. Thanks, Manny. You got it. Sign Fernando Rodney for a snapper mowing down any. Yeah, man. we want drama. <laughs> we want uh, we want uh, a little excitement. But I told you guys in April yes, that was you good did. stuff. Mm-hmm. 
That's good stuff. He's throwing nine. He's a human. I don't know what he is. 94, 95 miles an hour at 41 years old. Well, he he's displaying the ability to continue to keep pitching. As long as he can throw a changeup once in a while. And obvious, to me, it becomes obvious that he doesn't get the feel for his changeup in April. Right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. he was terrible last year in April in uh, Arizona, and I'm sure everybody down there is, get rid of him, he's ruining us, we'll never make the playoffs, and then he basically was unhittable. I'm not saying he's unhittable. You're still going to go to the ballpark, and there's going to be two on with two outs more often than not. But, uh, I mean, he he throws hard. He can get a little movement on it away if he wants to, and the changeup is fantastic when he's... Uh, if he if he's one and two, he can strike you out with the changeup. Right? right, he's got to make you, you know, he, like every other changeup pitcher. If he gets ahead of you, that's when you're in trouble. The problem with this current collection, though, the, the lineup, lineup they're rolling out terrible. there is really bad. It's what was brutal. the What was the note that I saw? The last however many hitters faced didn't even make contact. Oh, against two nights ago. Two nights a ago, hater, well, a hater struck out. What, he got seven outs and struck out six. It was, it was Rosario was the last one to foul a ball off. But after that, they didn't even yeah. make contact. And that's that's inexcusable. Uh, it's a uh, I, I figured it out the other day when I was writing that Snow Buxton thing. They are batting uh, 16 points below what they hit last year. You know, now I know it's a pitcher's year. And that was two, three days ago. Mm hmm. They were they're down to last year they hit two sixty this year they're hitting two forty four but they're averaging a run less a game that's a lot of runs yes it is that's uh, their average last year they scored almost five a game this year they're just a, they were a touch over four and they're probably right at four now so but okay Rosario and Escobar and Kepler's been okay but who else is doing anything. Yeah, Dozier's Dozier better being to an out. Dozier being an out uh, kills him. Now they don't have Joe getting on base. That whole thing frightens you a little bit, by the way. How serious Mauer. are do we? I mean, is this going to be hey, an extended extended stay on the DL? You know me, another guy who doesn't like you know another point that I don't like to brag. I'm not that kind of guy. Hold on, hold on. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but remember last week when I was saying, what the, why is Bauer not playing yes, first base Yes, you today? did. You did say there that. Was some, there was, and nobody must have asked or something, but there was something strange going on Because the there injury was sustained was like, in Anaheim, correct? Uh, I thought in Oakland, they said. But when were they in Wait, Oakland? they haven't played in Oakland. Didn't they play in Oakland? Who they played? No, they, they no, were at Anaheim. Anaheim. Anaheim, okay. I'm not sure when it was, but like, okay, he gets a day off, and then the next day he doesn't play first base. Well, I remember the I remember, play. He was, was running back yeah. on a foul ball, and he dove, and I remember watching his head snap back. But there was about a five-day period there where you're saying, okay, why is he not playing first base? Because yeah. there's a day off tomorrow. Remember? The, mm-hmm. they, in fact... It was a couple of times. In fact, before they came home, and they had a, Or was it last week? It was when they had the day game. game against the Cardinals here. Here. And he had DH the night before. And, you and thought, he didn't play. And he didn't play the next day. He didn't day. play that day. So this had been going on. This is not something new. This had been mm-hmm. going on since he hit that wall. And they were aware of it. It was not like he came into the park and said one day, I'm sensitive to the light and stuff like that. They... They knew that he was having some problems just by the way he was used there for about five or six days. You could see that something was going on. But, uh, you know, I mean, wow, this is just a terrible lineup right now. You got a catcher. 
Bobby Wilson, despite, by the way, how much more does uh, the manager want to see Bobby Wilson behind the plate than he wants to see Garver? Bobby Wilson's playing two out of every three games. Right? Yes, he, he is because he's a much better receiver. Yes. But but Garver really isn't hitting much either. That's the problem right now. I'd say he's got a better chance. <laughs> I'd, I'd give him a better chance. Well, Bobby's sh- going to give you. If you look at Bobby's career, is like two fourteen. But something. if we're looking for entertainment, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> we want Big Bobby behind. But the now plate. you got. Morrison at first. Yep. And by the way, he's the, okay, he's better. His first at bat yesterday was one of the worst at bats in the history of baseball, but when he struck out. But, uh, but the game winning off the wall single. Single. (laughs) That is a long clout out there to right center field. But, uh, (laughs) that was a, uh, you know, he's, he's been better. Dozier's in terrible slump. Uh, the shortstop's not much of a player. Adrianzo. No. Yeah, I thought he was a better player than I he did is. too. Escobar's giving you the best he got. Rosario's giving you is by far your best player. Boxing can't hit. Now you got you gotta Kepler's play. Kinda you gotta nice. play Rose. You gotta play, you know, Kepler's okay, and then you got Jake Cave and Grossman and uh Garver's your now, bench. This Cave's, is a bad lineup. Is Cave the kid? He hit the big home run Friday, but is he the Kid they got from the Yankees in spring yeah, he's training. Not that much of a kid, but yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought he's, he's not guy. a young guy. I think he's twenty five or six. Okay, but yeah, they got the uh, they got him from the Yankees. He was on the forty man, and they took him. They took them off the forty man to put on. Can't remember who. And okay, the, and the Twins claimed him. There was a and great he's a switch hitting outfielder. There was a great line on Twitter I saw after uh, Morrison hits the the line shot. I mean, that was a that was a stroke off the shot. It said. He only got to first base. Maybe his new nickname should be Slow Mo. But I believe the problem was that the bases were loaded. Right. And the guy running in front of him had to wait not. to see if yeah, it was going to yeah, be caught. They, they were waiting to see if it was going to get caught. So it he it would have been a double, okay? <laughs> but I don't think you wanted him to be standing at second base next to the other guy. That could have been That would be problematic. Yeah. So anyway. I was gonna I'll make this observation. I, I don't you know, I'm not one who likes to rip readers or listeners, but... Uh, and you also don't like to brag. No, I don't like those. Those are some of my better qualities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have decided from taking a, a glance at readers' comments, occasionally, not my stuff generally, just, sure. just, I mean, general, some, just general, general stuff on it. Hockey fans think they're geniuses. Basketball fans are so filled with rage and tips, they're irrational. Uh, football fans are homers, but but they absorb the game, you know, to mm-hmm. some extent. Baseball people who comment at the newspaper are idiots. One, 94%. Idiots. That's high. That's a high number. (laughs) Idiots. Quite the number. Just 100% idiots. Because they don't really know the game. They don't really like the game. They just want to badmouth the game. But they're idiots. Cheap poll ads. Cheap cheap poll ads, Maurer, blah, blah, blah. But they're just, the trouble is the audience is small. So I looked at it. They got about 12 people who comment. And the same that's, 12 that's people. where I come up with my 90-some percent. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, the same 12 because 11 of them are idiots. 
<laughs> you know, 11 out of the 12 are idiots. You know, there's a piece of sound that I don't know that will either corroborate or, or deflect against your most recent take there. Are you here by circle? Yeah. Okay. Well. People like to I'll be tell circled, you what, Pat. You know, you boy, I, I, I reached a snap judgment, by the way, on Justin Morneau and was wrong. He's pretty good. He's good when he's with when someone. With somebody, yes. 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 I should say he's better when there's another mm-hmm. person to play off and of. And let me say this. Okay. This is something I have never done in my years of hosting radio. Okay. I'm going to say something good about Dick Bremer. Uh, the other day, they were talking about Buxton and his troubles. And it's an obvious thing, but I'm glad to hear Dick say it. He said, you got Maurer and you got Eddie Rosario, and they can roll out of the bed. They can roll out of bed and hit. Mm -hmm. And Buxton isn't one of those guys. And he's 100% correct. Buxton, everything has to be perfect. He is not a natural hitter in any way. It is hard work for him. Some guy yesterday commented to me when I said that and said, well, he's never had to work for anything, which is absolute BS. He had to work at every level that he came up to improve as a hitter to get to the next level because he never started off tearing up a leak. He always had he to, was a slow. He always had to catch up. He's as talented as he is and as in, in every other aspect of the game. He's not a natural hitter. It's hard for him to hit. He doesn't have the good hands. He doesn't have the quick hands to hit with, in my opinion. And he, every place he went, he got better, and then he moved up. He but got back better, to that he moved person's up. comment, though, could you say that because he has such God-given ability, he was able to get away with some of his limitations at the lower levels? Well, sure. If you put the ball in play, you got to hit. Yeah. And he now down in Cedar Rapids... Well, he gets away with it too. He he could get away with that longer swing, and class A and mm-hmm. double A. But what I'm saying is, he had to get better every time, as as a lot of players sure. do. You have to keep getting better. That's the great thing about baseball. But in this case, he's hit the wall. He's he's at step five, big leagues. So what to make the difference? So at this point, then, what is a reasonable sort of expectation for him at this point? Paul are, are, are we? Are we Satisfied with him being just like a 250 guy at his peak and he just gets on base once in you a know, while and plays great defense? Two years or? ago, I would have said 250 isn't good enough, but when the league batting average is going to be 245, mm-hmm, I'd yeah. take 250. But he's, we had Kelly last week, and Kelly told us he, he can survive if he gets back to doing what he was doing get behind a ball, not jump at the ball, yeah. and not take cookie strike one. And I saw Molitor and he had a discussion about that. He'll, He'll be he'll make it, but the fact he's so limited as a hitter will keep him from being a star, I think. We'll be back. Here's John Height with a sports update that includes a new general manager for the uh, wild. This uh, update brought to you by Account Temps. Demand for top talent is at an all-time high. Account Temps can help you find highly skilled temporary accounting and finance professionals who fit your needs and hit the ground running. Account Temps are Robert Half and Company. That uh, new man for the wild, Paul Finn. 
Yes. Be the new GM of the Minnesota Wild. I think they announced it about three minutes ago. Just made it official, huh? Mm-hmm. That's what we've I'm been, hearing. That's what I'm seeing here. We've been reporting it all day, but apparently now it's official. My sources are going with it, John. News conference tomorrow. All right. That's a pretty good sign, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any fit- chance the owner's going to now do a two-on-one during sports talk? Isn't that what he told you last time? No one-on-ones, no one-on-ones. or two-on-ones. No, or you two and Joe. On ones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably get him on tomorrow. I don't know what time the uh, news conference is, though. Now, Fenton has been Nashville's assistant GM for the past 10 years. He spent 18 years with the team. First reported about a month before the season ended that he was the leading candidate. Uh, it took a while, but uh, I guess they didn't find anybody they liked better. Ron Gardner. I didn't back. realize he played in the league for quite a while. Oh, he did? Oh, really? He was yeah, a winger of some form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gardy back in the Twin Cities tonight. Yes. Leading the Detroit Tigers against the Minnesota Twins. Detroit in town to kick off a three-game series at Target Field. Tonight, Jose Barrios for the Twins. Blaine Hardy pitches for the Tigers. Blaine Hardy. Is he a lefty? I think he's a lefty. I'm not sure, though. He's, I know he's 0-0 on the You know season. what he'll be trying to do tonight, though? Throw the fire out of the ball, he will, man. <laughs> Throw the fire. Or he's, I'm sorry, he's 0-0. Zero zero. I had a okay. teacher that used to yell at me for calling 0-0, uh-huh. so well, let me correct that. That's all right, John. That teacher would be very disappointed with how is your he, career is that turned teacher, out. Is that teacher dead or alive? That was a nun who was about 70, so I'm going to guess. <laughs> probably yeah, well, not if she's us. a nun, she might still be hanging in there, though. <laughs> If you want to live a long life, become a nut. All right. <laughs> Noted. Noted. John Amon reporting the Twins will likely make an $18 million qualifying offer to Brian Dozier after this season. Contract up at the end of the season, of course. Heyman says, though, if Dozier declines and tests the market, the Twins would be, in his words, less than likely to be among the leaders. Will he even be qualified for that qualifying hour if he keeps hitting the way he's hitting right now? He's taking that one right out of the air. If if I was Dozier and they came to me and offered 18 right now, I'd say, yes, I'll take that. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, because if he accepts it, then he just they can't do it again, right? Yeah. Yeah, they can't do it again. St. Paul Saints playing their home opener at CHS Field this afternoon. They're playing the Chicago Dogs. Right now it's one to nothing Dogs. They are in the top of the fifth. If you uh, didn't fall over the weekend, the Saints are 2-1 and one on the young season. NBA playoff action tonight right here on this station. Boston at Cleveland, 7 o'clock. Celtics lead that series two games to one. Uh, the other series, some news from that one. The Warriors have listed Andre Iguodala as doubtful for tomorrow's game four against the Rockets. Iguodala sustained a left knee contusion when he banged knees with James Harden in Sunday's game three. A Warriors source said the bruise got worse overnight, so Iguodala was held out of practice today. Iguodala averaging 8.7 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 1.7 assists through three games of the series, playing a little more than 27 minutes. It's all right. Game. They're at home. They won't need him. Did you came say, up with the Hamptons, Hamptons five? I'd like to find him and slap him. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Boston Celtics, you guys better win tonight. Yes, you think if, the man if, will be if, interested. If, if the Cavaliers tie this series up and, and LeBron's got momentum, then I think the Celtics are in trouble. All righty. That's a hot take for Manny. Hot take yep. for Manny. Yeah. All righty, Johnny. Uh, that's good. Hey, Dane Mizzitani will be with us to talk about the new Wild GM, Paul Fenton. Dane Mizzitani covers the uh, Wild for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, the uh, the uh, Wild just made it official that uh, 
Paul Fenton uh, will be the new general manager. And uh, he was only rumored for this job about six weeks before they fired <laughs> Fletcher, right? Uh, this, is, this is a long search to get back where they started. Yeah, definitely. I think you, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, this isn't necessarily a surprising hire. Um, this is a name that surfaced um, even before he said that Chuck Fletcher was let go, and, and certainly right after. Um, he was immediately viewed as the front runner, pretty much from ever, anyone you talk to. Um, but, you know, credit Craig Leopold and Matt Makeup for doing their, their due diligence. Uh, I brought in a handful of guys, you know, after Fenton interviewed about a month ago. Uh, just doing their due diligence, checking in with others. Um, I know Tom Fitzgerald made a strong push, um, just really, you know, impressed those two. Uh, but in the end, um, it came down to, I think, the guy that they wanted all along, um, just continuing to kind of wild him across the process. He's 58 years old. He's older than Fletcher, right? Uh, Fletcher <laughs> wasn't that old. It's uh, He's been at it a long time down there, 18 years pretty much since they started and uh, also ran the uh, AHL team for them. And I was trying to figure out if uh, they, if he was waiting to see if Poyle, uh, uh, a lot of people thought he was waiting to see if Poyle was going to retire. But then I saw that the number three man in the operation down there is Poyle's kid. So I'm <laughs> sure Poyle isn't going to resign until he can set it up for his kid to replace him. Yeah, maybe the writing was on the wall, and, and Paul saw that. But he, like you mentioned, he did have a lot of experience along the way. Um, and this has kind of been a long time coming for, for Paul Fenton, um, so it's probably good to see him finally get a chance. Uh, you mentioned he's been the assistant general manager in Nashville for the last 12 years, ever since 06. And uh, you look at that Nashville team, they're not all too different than this Minnesota team. Uh, making the playoffs consistently – and then not making that jump. That was kind of their calling card over the last decade. And you saw it last year um, as a byproduct of really good drafting, good development, and a couple of, uh, you know, sneaky trades here and there. Nashville kind of went from, you know, that team that was just getting in to a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And it makes sense that Craig Leopold would would pull the trigger on, on something like this. One, he knows Paul Fenton. But two, last month when he fired Chuck Fletcher, he said, I'm not in here for a rebuild, and he doesn't want one. Um, and I think Paul Fenton, working with David Poyle, kind of showed Craig Leopold that maybe they don't have to rebuild because Nashville was kind of stuck in that purgatory for a little bit um, and managed to kind of get it done and, and then reach that next level um, through the draft and through trade. So I think he's looking for kind of a similar model here. Hey, Dane, he must have uh, pretty well known. Uh, he didn't even talk to Carolina, right? They wanted uh, or they they wanted to uh, engage him on uh, perhaps becoming the GM. Uh, he must have had a pretty dang good idea he was going to be the man here. Yeah, I think so. Um, and we'll talk to probably him and, you know, we'll talk to Craig about that and him about that tomorrow. But we'll see how forthcoming he is about it. But, yeah, I think you can see that he saw the writing on the wall for Chuck Fletcher. And the fact that he knew Craig Leopold, he, he didn't want to engage with Carolina. He wanted to take this kind of jump and this next step with the Wild. Uh, maybe, maybe he feels similar to Craig and that this team isn't that far off. Um, you know, that's kind of hard to believe when you've seen what this team has done in the playoffs over the last three years, just bound out in the first round. Uh, but maybe Paul Fenton can come in here and, you know, find a couple of suitable trades, maybe move some pieces. I do think this offseason is going to be kind of a big one for the Wild. I don't think he's just going to stay with the status quo. Um, he probably has a vision. I'm sure he sold Craig on that vision. And I don't think it'll take too long for us to see what he's going to start doing. Hey, Dean, I, I don't think there's any league where tearing it all down and rebuilding and tanking is sillier than in the NHL. 
you're always about everybody's the same except for about four or five teams at the top, and you're always about two players away from being a, a contender. I mean, it's a it's a completely different animal than uh, every other sport. In the NBA, it makes sense to tank because uh, you got five right. guys. You got five guys playing in the uh, in the NHL. You got twenty guys playing every night, so or nineteen. So it's uh, it doesn't make any sense to tear it down unless you're really off. Exactly. I think you kind of need that generational talent in the NBA uh, to contend at such a high level. You you look at what the NBA projections are every year, and it's the same four or five teams at the top, pretty much the same two if you just look at Cleveland and Golden State. Um, totally different in the NHL. Um, I mean, look who's in the Stanley Cup in the West right now, a team that yeah. didn't exist a year ago. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I mean, it's just it's, it's a different animal. It's a different beast. I mean, you can even look at Colorado in the Central Division, the worst team by a mile in the league last year made the playoffs. And they made the playoffs not because of, you know, getting that number three or four pick in the draft. They made the playoffs because certain players just took that next jump. So, uh, yeah, you're right. You don't need to tear this thing down in the NHL. People will point to Pittsburgh and they'll point to Chicago as teams that have tanked, gotten guys like Crosby and Malkin or gotten guys like Kane and Taves, and then they went on their runs. Uh, But, I mean, for the most part, you look at the teams that can win in the NHL. You just get into the playoffs, and you got you get you kind of have a chance. I know Wild fans probably don't feel that way because they've seen it for six years now, where this core is getting in the playoffs and they're just kind of getting wiped. Uh, but yeah, it's about a couple players, and if, if Paul Fenton can find, you know, maybe a player that's kind of out of sorts somewhere else, needing in need of a change of scenery, uh, maybe that guy can come in and, and kind of give the Wild a jump and take them over the next, you know, over that hump. So, yeah, if there's any league where you don't need to completely tear it down, I think it's the NHL, and I think that NHL kind of continues to prove that, um, especially this year when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights and what they've been able to do. Hey, Dane, are they going to blow up the hockey department? I mean, is Flair gone? Is, uh, uh, I mean, is, what are they going to do there? Do we have any? Yeah. We don't have any idea yet, but it'll be interesting if, uh, if he's going to bring in two or three guys that uh, he's close to that'll replace Fletcher guys. Yeah, nothing um, nothing totally clear yet, but I would find it kind of hard to believe that Brent Flair is back on the staff. He was the right-hand man to Chuck Fletcher for so long, and if you want you know, a quote-unquote new set of eyes on the team, like Craig Leopold said he wanted last month, uh, you probably don't want someone who was someone else's right-hand man for so long. So I bet Paul Fenton comes in. I'm not sure he totally cleaned out. I, I could see a guy like Andrew Burnett sticking around, a guy like Brad Bombardier sticking around, just because those guys have been with the team back to their playing days. Uh, but just looking at you know the writing on the wall, I don't know if it makes sense for Brent Flair to re- return uh, when you kind of want to go in, in a new direction than, than you've been in over the last decade. So how we'll, down we'll are they? On that. How down are they on Charlie Coyle? Do you think? Or does this give him a fresh start, or have they made up their decision that uh, the star they thought he was going to be uh, is never going to be seen? What What is your read on that? Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. And this is pretty much purely speculation. But it wouldn't shock me if Paul Benton came in here and, and said we've been watching him from afar, and, and we don't know if he can kind of take that next jump. Everyone's kind of been waiting for Charlie Coyle to take that jump for, you know, three, four, five years, and it seems like he's kind of just stagnated in, in, in where he at, is at in his maturation process. Maybe he gets a jump from moving somewhere else, but, I, you know, I bet that's one of the names that, that Paul Fenton starts shopping around almost immediately because, he, he, one, you got to clear some cap space because they're going to try and re-sign Matt Dumba and Jason Zucker. 
Um, and, and just looking at the math and the salary cap, the way that works, you got to move some pieces in order to do that. Hey, Dane, thanks for your time, sir. No problem, Pat. Anytime. Uh, all right. Uh, Dane Mizzitani covers the uh, wild for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. 1130 tomorrow, uh, Paul Fenton will be uh, uh, introduced. And you know what we're hoping happens tomorrow? He wins the press conference. Oh, we've got you've got we to gotta win wait. It. I hope Mackey's working at least by Wednesday, so we can find out if, if he, he won the press won conference. The press conference. That's very important mm-hmm. to win the press conference. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick. At ten o'clock. Five New York time, he saw the lights of Paris. He saw the hangars, the roads jammed with cars. Safely on the ground, he had barely cut the engine when the crowd reached the plane. They shouted his name over and over again. Lindbergh, Lindbergh. On this day in history, May 21, 1927, Charles Lindbergh, Little Falls, Minnesota, uh, flew from New York to Paris, completing the first uh, flight, uh, nonstop flight from uh, from the United States mainland to Paris. And uh, that was a big deal, man. I didn't realize he was born in Detroit, uh, but he ended up uh, being raised in Little Falls. If he didn't, up in Little Falls, they've named a lot of stuff. I was going to say, yeah, he's one of us. Yeah, he better be one of us, else we're really in trouble. Uh, there was a $25,000 purse put up by a Frenchman, Raymond Ortigue, uh, Orte, I suppose, I'm not sure, O-R-T-E-I-G, uh, put up a purse of 25000 to the first aviator or aviators to fly nonstop from Paris to New York or New York to Paris. Uh, several of them uh, took up the challenge, but it was Lindbergh who finally made it. And Lucky Lindy, uh, the legend of Lucky Lindy, was uh, definitely uh, set right then. And when he came back, have you ever seen any of the old, old film or whatever it was of uh, the ticker tape parade they had for him no. in uh, New York? Pretty big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a big deal, man. And, the, uh, of course, the great name of the uh, plane to the spirit of St. Louis. But he landed at 1024 a.m. in Paris, and uh, there were uh, many people waiting for it. It took 33 and a half hours, 3,600 miles. This day in history, Lindy lands in Paris, May 21, 1927. Now through December 12th, Duncan Rewards members can snag a medium holiday signature latte for $3. Join Duncan Rewards on the app today and start saving and stacking your points for free Duncan. Think of it as the gift that keeps on giving. America runs on Duncan. Limit one per member per day. Exclusions, additional charges, and terms may apply. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.